John 13, John 13. Go to John 13 real quick, and uh, we'll read a couple verses. While you're turning, does anybody need an outline? Does anybody need an outline? Raise your hand if you need an outline. Griggs, you ain't get no outline. Really? You're just knowing all that jawing over there and didn't even get an outline. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Need an outline real quick. We good in the balcony? Everybody good in the balcony? All right. Make sure everybody gets an outline. All right. Now, hey, we've got, how many of y'all remember the message Sunday? How many of y'all, uh, God convicted you Sunday? Boy, he convicted me. We were talking in the staff meeting. You know, sometimes it's easy. It's easy when you come in to worship God to get distracted. Am I right? God, listen, the devil remind you of problems you have that week, bills you have that week, uh, appointments you have to do, whatever, what you're going to eat, what the ball game's going to be, whatever that might be. Uh, and there's a lot of things that, that, that the devil can distract us with. One, it's even, even uh, the leaders, the staff. Sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'll think making sure uh, which song is going to end when I'm supposed to get up, make sure I've got the outline just right, make sure I've got just the right message for just the right time, and just, and just everything could be going through your mind. You could be thinking a lot of good stuff but not thinking the best stuff. And when we come to worship, it's all about, come on, it's all about Him. Amen. And so we, we went through the points, we went through the points Sunday, and what we're supposed to do in our worship. Uh, and we went through it, action in worship is this, give thanks, sing unto him, glory or brag, right? Glory or brag in his name, seek the Lord, and remember his marvelous works. And I told you I wanted to remember that, and I was going to make something up to put in my Bible, uh, either tape it in the front of the Bible or just keep it in there to remind me, when I get to church, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not here to sit and watch a show. I'm not here to let somebody else entertain me. I'm not here for anybody else to try to bless me. I'm here to give thanks and give praise and give adoration to my king. Say amen. amen. And so if you, you need help with that, if you need help as a reminder, uh, uh, Miss Barry made these and put these together. And uh, there's a bunch, I, I don't know, however many, there's, there's some at 411. So stop at 411. You can make it like a bookmark in your Bible so that when you open your Bible, and I hope you open it during the week. I hope it's not, where's my Bible? It's church today. Amen. No. I hope you open it during the week and just go over them. Because you don't have to wait to Sunday to give thanks, to sing unto him, to glory in his name, to seek the Lord, and to remember his marvelous works. Can you imagine what would happen to our Sunday service if we did this during the week? And we got here on Sunday all practice up. Amen. So pick one of these up. They're at 411. Uh, grab one of these on your way out and put it in your Bible and let's practice it this week. And let's just see what God does this Sunday. Amen. Amen. All right. Stop by and get them. Everybody else, you're at John 13. And let's jump into... Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Where's a good place to start? How about, uh, uh, we stopped last, last time at 17, so let's go ahead and start at 18, okay? He, he has just finished washing his disciples' feet and teaching them what that's all about and giving them the lesson there, and now he's fixing to say something that's kind of horrifying, and it's something that, that, that is, is really going to, uh, uh, just tear the, the disciples out the frame. I mean, this is just a, a, a earth-shattering news. Verse 18. And, uh, and, and now he says, now he, he, is, he has instructed them in what he wants them to do. And you remember in the lesson, in the lesson last week, uh, he said 
by washing their feet, he was teaching them a lesson in holiness. You remember that? And he, and he was in reference to, he said, listen, Peter, you're, you're clean. And, and that reference was talking about salvation. You don't have to get saved over again. You're saved. Sometimes you just got to, you get defiled in life and you got to wash your feet. Amen. Yeah. Symbolically, spiritually. And so he said, you're all clean. Look, 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 go back up to verse 11. Go back up to verse 11. He says in verse number 10, Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. all. Watch this, verse 11. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. And what he's saying by that, he's not saying everybody but one took a shower. He said all of you are saved, but one. Are y'all with me? And so this is, this is where we're jumping in at. All right, look in verse 18. Verse 18. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen. But that the scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. One of you. One of you that I've spent three years with. One of you who has been with me in the good and the bad, in the thick and the thin in the in and the out. One of you who have seen all the miracles. One of you who, who was there when the dead was raised. One of you who was there when the thousands were fed. One of you who was there in the storm when it was calmed. One of you who was there when all the miracles took place. You're going to turn your back. You're going to forsake and betray me. Can you imagine the air that goes out of the room? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for the truth that we're going to learn tonight. Please help me. Lord, I don't want anybody to leave here disappointed. I pray that they'll all come and say, wow, we learned something from your word. I pray that it will be something to encourage us. I pray that it will be something to edify us. Uh, Lord, sometimes, sometimes it's not always ice cream and sprinkles. Sometimes it's, it's, it's broccoli and cauliflower. Sometimes it's things that may not be... It may not be uh, uh, real fun, but it's real good. It builds and it blesses and it strengthens. And God, I pray that, Lord, as we, as we go through these verses, that, that we will be strengthened and we'll be edified and built up. I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the believers say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. If you'll look, if you'll look in the, in the intro... And even in the title. Say, so, preacher, where in the world did you get that title? On November 6, 1920, a grand jury in Cook County, Illinois, issued to an aroused public a statement of reassurance on a question that seemed to eclipse in, in significance even the landslide presidential victory of Warren Harding just four days earlier. In spite of the jury's recent disclosures, the game of baseball was clean. But see, only five weeks before, the same jury had disclosed that the 1919 World Series had been fixed. 
eight players of the Chicago White Sox team of the American League had been indicted for accepting bribes. The grand jury had exposed what soon came to be celebrated as the Black Sox scandal. In the public mind, the most brazen conspiracy in the annals of uh, American sports. The outcry at this revelation was universal. Newspaper editors, editorials thundered imprecations. In the Philadelphia Bulletin, for example, the disgraced players were compared with a soldier or sailor who would sell out his country and its flag in time of war. More poignant was the plea of a man, or, or excuse me, plea of one or more small boys to their idol, Shoeless Joe Jackson, as he left the building where the grand jury met. It has come down to us, one of the most pitiful fragments of the American phrases. Say it ain't so, Joe. Say it ain't so. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I brought that up to introduce uh, the chapter tonight. You know, Joe Jackson, he, 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 denied that that ever happened and so forth and so on and there's mystery behind it and it's a legend or whatever it might be uh but here's the thing you have a you have a hero you have a hero who has done something so despicable has done something so uh heartbreaking to people it's just unbelievable and so you have this little fella outside the courtroom uh supposedly after uh uh shoeless joe jackson admitted that, that, that they had fixed the game, and, and so he is saying, say it ain't so, Joe. Say it ain't so. It's hard to believe. Well, here in the story, here in this chapter, we find Jesus, remember, in, in context, if you're here for the very first time on a Wednesday night, this is what's going on. This is the last night Jesus is with his disciples before he's arrested, uh, before he's crucified and put in the ground. And he is here in the upper room at the Last Supper. Uh, he, has, he has spent this time, this is intimate time, this is special one-on-one uh, -on -one time, if you will, with his disciples. And, and he just gotten through washing their feet because they, they were still kind of fussing about who's going to be the greatest and arguing over things that really were petty uh, and, 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 and insignificant. So he teaches them some lessons by getting down and teaches them some lessons in humility and holiness and, and happiness. And, and, and now he's fixing to drop a bombshell on them. I mean, he's fixing to totally blow their mind in two different groups of people, not just a, a wicked, uh, uh, false believer, uh, not just somebody who is damned to hell, uh, but, but one of his heroes, which would be Peter, who, who is going to do some incredible things for the kingdom of God. Peter, who is, is called and, and, and God's going to use in a great way. He tells both of them or reveals to both of them some incredible things, unbelievable things, things that was hard to swallow things it was hard to receive. So that's why we're going we're gonna to talk tonight about the subject, Say It Ain't So. Here we are, we're enjoying this meal. We're having a big time. Y'all know how it is. Y'all know how it is to get together with family or to get together with uh, 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 dinner on the grounds. I mean, I, I know when, when your church gets as large as this one, it, it's hard to do. That's one of the, 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 the things that I miss most about uh, a smaller congregation or a smaller church is, is the ability to have dinner on the ground. I, I don't know whether I'm missing the, uh, uh, the food or the fellowship or both, amen? But I used to love that, man. I used to love, and, and I, I look back now, I look back now and I see more that it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily the barbecue hog. It wasn't necessarily the homemade ice cream. It was the time you spent around the table fellowshipping. 
and jawing and enjoying each other's company and having a big time. So all this is going on. I mean, they're just having a big time. They're, they're, they have, they're clueless. They are to, even as much as Jesus has tried to tell them about what's fixing to take place, they're just thinking this is just another night. This is just another Passover. This is just another meal. Everything's going to be the same tomorrow as it was today. And, and, and here we go. And the whole time Jesus is sitting in the midst of them knowing he's fixing to be betrayed, knowing he's fixing to be arrested, and knowing he's fixing to go to the cross. I mean, you can imagine the beating he's fixing to take the ultimate brutality he's fixing to experience in the midst of all this. I, I, there's been times, there's been times when I knew something bad. I knew something bad and I'm sitting in, I'm sitting with a group of people. <clears throat> I'm sitting with a group of people and everybody's having a big time because nobody knows the situation yet. And I'm the only one in the room that knows about the situation and knows what's fixing to come down. And everybody's having a big time and I'm sitting there miserable because I know what's fixing to take place. I can imagine, I can imagine that's the feelings Jesus is having. As much as he wants to enjoy this time, as much as he's wanting to have this time with his disciples, and, and he did, he, the Bible said, I've desired to have this meal with you. He knows what's fixing to take place. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden in the midst of the, in the, midst of the, the meal, in the midst of the, the fellowship time, he just says, he just drops it out there. He says, guys, one of you is a traitor. One of you is going to betray me. And so, man, they go crazy. Is it I? Is it I? Is it I? They all begin, if you read the other gospel, you'll find out that there are questions. Who could it be? What? Who's, is it I? Is it I? And so here's what, here's what I want you to do. Write these things down. Here's your notes. Let's start with number one. I want you to see in this story, first I want you to see there's a traitor. There is a traitor in the midst. There's someone, there's someone who, who, who is not what he seems to be. He says it in verse 11, ye are not all clean, ye are not all the same. He says in verse 19, I tell you, well, let me back up, let me back up, verse 18, I speak not of you all, I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And when Jesus thus said, he said, he was troubled in his spirit, and he testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Now, now who, is this, who is this traitor? We all know. Who is this traitor? Judas Iscariot. Remember, there's two Judases, so make sure and put Iscariot on there. Uh, uh, Judas Iscariot, and Iscariot just is a representation of the town that he was from. Uh, matter of fact, this is really insignificant, maybe, I don't know, but, but Judas is the only one that wasn't a Galilean out of all the disciples. Uh, and so we know this is Judas. Now here's what, I want, uh, here's what I want you to know about him. Let's talk about him a little bit. Let's talk about his background, his personality uh, a little bit. So first, I want you to see the personalities that explain him. Let's describe him a little bit. 
the personalities that explain him, to explain his, his makeup and who he was and uh, everything about him. First, number one, number one, we need to know he was a thief. He was a thief. The Bible says in John 12, verse 4, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He was a thief. And he had the bag and bear what was put therein. Now, what, what, let's, let's talk about that a minute. Now, now most of you who've been, who've been with us throughout this whole John study, last, last, last chapter we found in John 12 that, that, that Mary came to him. Mary came to him and, 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 and broke an alabaster box of ointment over the Lord in a, in a, in a sense of worship. Uh, she was worshiping him. Jesus said, she's preparing this for my burial. Uh, and, and it was very expensive. It was very expensive, and Judas chimes in. He sees it. He doesn't like it. He, he has indignation about it. He's just angry, and he says, man, why was this waste made? That just tells you what he really thought of Jesus. Why was this waste made? Why was this waste? We could have took that and give it to the poor, and Jesus wants you to know he cared nothing about the poor. He cared nothing about the poor. He cared about the money. He was basically the treasurer of the group. He held the money bag. Now, he weaseled his way into that position. Somehow or another, he gained the confidence of the people. He gained the confidence of those around him, and he had the money. Now, if, if, if the Bible says he was a thief, that meant he stole. So guess what he was doing with the money bag? He was stealing out of it. Now, here's the thing. Let's remember this. Judas, and, and, and understand this, you've got to understand this all from the beginning, and there's verse upon verse to back this up. Uh, uh, he says, I've, I've lost none but the son of permission. It's always been this way. Judas was never saved. He, did, he was never saved and then lost it. He was never a true believer and then stopped believing. He was never a believer in the beginning. He was a false follower. Now, now, if you've been here through the whole study, you, you find out that there were many times that Jesus did miracles and people followed Jesus for the sake of the miracle, not because he was the Messiah. They wanted free food or they wanted a free healing. They wanted, they wanted things. They, they, they wanted his blessing and they wanted his giftings, but they didn't want him. Are y'all with me? And that's him. Judas understood that this was going to be a leader. He understood he was going to be powerful. He already was powerful. Nicodemus even said it. No man can do the things that thou doest unless the Father be with him. They knew there was something about this man that was very significant. It was very powerful. Very, and he wanted power. He wanted fame. He wanted a position. He wanted money. He followed him because he was a thief. He was a thief. And this drove him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being as dark of a character as Judas and seeing the holy purity that was in Jesus every single day of his life? I, I, I think it was Mark Twain. I think it was Mark Twain who said, there is nothing that is as irritating as a good example. Are y'all with me? 
Don't you just love when people are there and they're doing it better than you? Come on, don't act all sanctified with me. I know who I'm preaching to. And you know how vile you are, and you know how, how, and here he is with this, and Jesus is so pure and so holy. You know that irritated Judas. Here is Judas who wanted fame and power and authority, and he wanted people to bow down to him. And here is Jesus who gets down and washes his feet. Such an opposite of who he was. Well, guess what? There come a place, and it could be, it could be the point where, where he, he, he really deals with Judas. He gets on to Judas. He gets a chewing. A chewing. That's all I'm going to say. Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you don't, Google Saban and whatever his name was. Y'all with me? Some of y'all are still like, I don't know what he's talking about. Kiffin, Kiffin, that's what his name. He, Jesus gave Judas a chewing. He says, leave her alone. She has done this to my burial. And matter of fact, he went on to say this. He said, people are going to remember her for the ages to come for the gift that she has given. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine, can you imagine the humiliation where, where he chews him out in front of everybody? Do you realize right after that he decides, I'm going to betray him? And he goes, he goes to, the, he goes to the, uh, the high priest and says, hey, let's make a deal. What will you pay me for me turning him over? Because see, Judas knew that they were all after him. Jesus, Jesus, or Judas, excuse me, Judas knew that, ev- that, that the high priest and, and the, religious, the religious hierarchy was after Jesus to kill him. But they couldn't get it into a place where they could do it without an uproar of the people. Judas said, I can deliver him. What will you pay me? You see, Judas is, he's kind of irritated. He's angry because he, he realizes he's not going to get what he's been following Jesus to get. Jesus reveals to them, my kingdom is not of this world. What? Wait, whoa. We're following you. We're supposed to get this position. And so he finally dawns on him. He realizes it ain't coming. I'm not going to get any power. And so he's trying to make up. He's been skimming out the bag. He's been stealing out of the bag. And now he's going to try to make up for those three years he's been following. I'm going to get paid. You know why? Because at heart he was a he's a thief. Then, then number two, write this down. Or B, whatever it is. Two. He was a trickster. He was a trickster. Put in parentheses if you want to. The word charlatan. If you can spell it. It's a blessing, ain't it? Hypocrite. Hypocrite's a good word. What does it say the devil was? He was an angel of Light. Say it with me. He was an angel of light. What does that mean? He, was, he could fool you. He was a deceiver. In other words, when you looked at him, he looked good. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. Now, now listen. Listen. 
keep in mind, keep in mind when this takes place, when we're fixing to read this verse, he's already went to the, he's already went to the high priest, he's already made the deal, he's already made the agreement for the amount of money that he was going to betray the Lord for. Y'all with me? That's already been done. He's just waiting on a good time in a good place. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch, now watch. Jesus reveals to them, this is, we're reading out of Matthew, but it's the same, it's the same story, it's the same situation. Matthew 26, 24, The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, come on everybody, Master, it is, is it I? He's already made the deal. Is it I? Me? He's a deceiver. Nobody had a clue. Not one disciple had any idea that this man's heart was as black as it was. What does that mean? That just tells you how slick the devil is. He was a trickster. Judas was a deceiver. Judas put on a good front. Judas put on a front where everybody thought he was a good guy. Why do you think, why do you think, now think about this, and I don't want to rehash chapter 12 again, but why do you think when he criticized Mary, everybody else chimed in? Because they thought, man, that sounds awful spiritual. It, it amazes me. Uh, there's been times in my life that I've been in church meetings and church business meetings of, of sort, and, and, and people try to sound real spiritual by some of the things they say, and in and, 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 and all reality, in their heart, they was wicked as hell itself. There's a reason, there's a reason that the Bible describes some as being wolves in sheep's clothing. Are y'all with me? He's a trickster. He had everybody, except Jesus, except Jesus. He was a thief, he was a trickster. Then number three, <clears throat> number three, he was a traitor. He was a traitor, Luke 6, 16 <clears throat> And Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Luke twenty two forty seven and 48. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before him and drew near unto Jesus to... Isn't that amazing? It's, it's bad enough. It's bad enough you're going to betray him. But in the manner that you betray him, I mean, you can't just say that's him. You got to kiss him. Now, this, this, is a, this is a brotherly love, brotherhood, greeting. This is a, a greeting of affection. Matter of fact, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit, but, but when he approaches Jesus and he gets in Jesus' face to do the betrayal, you know what Jesus calls him? Friend. Friend. And he, get, he kisses him. He's a traitor. One who betrays trust. One who sells out. Sells out. 
Don't you see the personalities that explain him? He's a thief, he's a trickster, he's a traitor. Then B, I want you to see the prophecies that expect him. That's a typo, put that. It says the, I think, as y'all say the, should be that. Prophecies that expect him. This was not a surprise. This was not a surprise. This didn't slip up on God. Jesus, Jesus didn't all of a sudden say, doggone it, why'd I pick him? That's important. That's important that you see that. Jesus is saying that here. He said, I know who I chose. I know who I chose. He wasn't saying, I know he's a traitor now. What Jesus is saying by this, he said, I knew he was a traitor when I picked him. Why is that important? Because you need to understand that God is always in control. You remember when, you remember when the brothers sold, sold Joseph and, and, and they had their plan and they thought they had it all together and they thought they had it. And, and Joseph said, God, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You were just following along with God's plan. God didn't plan the evil, but he could plan for the evil. Y'all with me? Anyway, look what it says. Psalms 41.9. Yea, now this is Old Testament prophecy concerning this situation. Yea, mine own familiar, what? Friend. Friend, in whom I, which did eat of my, hath lifted up his heel against me. We'll see that in a moment. We'll see that in a moment. Let me go ahead and read. Let's, Let's get to there. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one of another, doubting of whom he spake. See, they didn't know who it was. He was so good. He was so good at deception, they didn't have a clue. Now, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now, now this, is, this is John referencing himself. Now, now, a lot of people say, well, that's, that's awful arrogant. In other words, he wasn't saying that John wasn't saying about this that Jesus loved him more than everybody else or Jesus loved him and not nobody else. That's not the point John was making. Really, it's a, it's a, it's a representation of humility. In other words, John is saying, and this is, this is from one of, my, one of my good friends and mentor, Brother Craig Edwards. He said, John, John was saying, listen, it's not important that you know my name. Listen, all you need to know is he loved me. My name's insignificant. My name is, is unimportant. You don't even need to know that. The best thing about this whole thing is that he loved me. And here he is. Here he is right beside Jesus. And if we, wanted, if we had a picture, if we had a picture of the room, if we had it, and by the way, uh, 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 the, the artists who have, have painted these pictures, uh, they wasn't there when it happened. Say amen. So, so all of that is, all of that, you know, don't even go by that stuff. But we do know John is on one side and Judas is on the other. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, now, John is the closest one to Jesus in comparison. On one side, Judas is on the other. Well, Peter, you know, he got to know something. You remember how impulsive Peter was? And he just, hey, he's constantly going to put his foot in his mouth. And he just, hey, hey, wait a minute. What? And he knows how close John is to Jesus. And he says, look, 
Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast said unto him, Lord, he leans over and gets close to Jesus, who is it? Who is it? Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. Now what is the sop? There was kind of like a, there was kind of like a community bowl. A community bowl. And what they would have in it would be like raisins and dates and, 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 and different fruits of that nature. And they would smash them and mix them up and kind of like make a paste out of it. And then put vinegar in it and, 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 and make a, I don't know what you'd call it, just a, a dipping sauce, I guess, if you will. They would take the unleavened bread and they would, they would dip into that paste and dip into that, uh, that juice and, and take it. And, and really, now watch how this, this, is, this is incredible when you see the story. In most, in most of the dinners, in most of the, the meals, they would always be a host. In other words, the main person, the most important person. So Jesus is playing the host at this meal. Are y'all with me? Jesus is playing the host at this meal. And here he is with all his disciples. And he puts John on one side and Judas on the other. Guess what? That was a place of honor. Even in his, even in his treachery, even Jesus knowing what he's fixing to do, he puts him in a place of honor. He is showing love to him even though he knows what's fixing to happen. And not only, not only the closest, the closest to the host were the most positions of honor, but when the host would start the meal or he would do a, a certain part of the meal, he would, take, he would take the bread and dip it into the paste, dip it into the sop and give it to whoever he is honoring. Are y'all see this? He's allowed him to have a place of honor. He's allowing him and showing him love and showing him affection, showing him honor. He wasn't just saying, okay, whoever I give this to, watch this, watch it. He was letting him know. And he gives, he gives it to Judas. Amazing. I mean, all the way up into the, all the, way up into the garden, he's loving on Judas. And he's honoring Judas. When Judas approaches him, like I said a while ago, Judas comes to him in the garden to betray him with a kiss. He said, friend, friend, what did Jesus say? What, what does it say in John in the beginning? He loved them to the, the end. Wow. This is, are y'all seeing this? There's no greater example than Jesus. What does Jesus say? Don't just love your friends. Love your Is anybody feeling convicted right now like I am? And man, Jesus is the greatest example of that. Now we know he said while he was hanging on a cross, you know, Father, forgive them for no one. So that's why he's loving his enemies. He's loving the ones that nailed him on the cross. What greater enemy is the one that walked every day with you for three years and was intimate with you for three years and your closest companion for three years and he betrays you with a kiss? And Jesus knows it. But yet he washes his feet. 
yet he honors him with a position of honor. Yet he gives him the sop. And he calls him a friend. <laughs> I can't help but think of the song. What a friend we have in Jesus. He is such a friend that even his enemies can sing that song. Well, I feel a little annoying right there. What a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. He said, somebody's going to betray me. Who is it? He tells John. Now, he doesn't, I don't believe he's announcing this. You got to understand John's close to Jesus. Are y'all with me? And I believe this. I believe this because when Judas gets up and goes out, they all think he's going to buy supplies. So I don't, I don't think Jesus, it's him. See, he's going to betray me. He, he doesn't even do that. But he reveals to John. John is close to him. Matter of fact, he's leaning in and getting close to his. So it could be possibly just John and Peter getting it, but they still don't really get it. In other words, even in his betrayal, Jesus is still not throwing him under the bus. I just wonder, I, 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 I don't want to get in no theological, you know, tug of war here. But I just wonder at, at what time could Judas say, I ain't doing this. He comes to a place, he makes that decision. And when he does, the Bible says Satan enters him. In this point. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I hope nobody's bored. I hope no, I'm not. <clears throat> Look what it says. Look what it says. When he dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered him. Then said Jesus unto him. Now this is, this is, this is after Satan has entered. Now, now you know Jesus knows Satan's there. You know, when he came to the, the demoniac of Gadara, he knew the demons and the demons knew him. So, so Jesus is not as much speaking to Judas as much as he's speaking to Satan. What you do, do quickly. Get with it. Get with it. He gets up immediately and he goes out into the darkness. Now remember, the Bible says it's time. All of these three years has been building up to this moment. All of the ministry, all of the messages, all of the miracles have led to this point. You remember what I said? Jesus primarily, primarily. How many of y'all know there can be primary things and secondary things? Primarily, Jesus didn't come to heal the sick physically. Primarily, Jesus didn't come to walk on the water. Primarily, he didn't come to heal the, heal the lame and heal the, heal the deaf and, and, and heal the disease or, or to raise the dead, even though he did all of those things. His primary purpose for coming to this earth was to be the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world, to be the sacrifice for sins, to be the propitiation for our sins. Are y'all with me? Because Jesus said it this way. 
He said, for this cause, talking about crucifixion, talking about Calvary, for this cause came I into the world. For this reason was I born. My primary purpose was Calvary. And he said, get it done. Get it done. So we see, we see the prophecy. <clears throat> now watch, now watch. Now, now we're going to add to this a little bit. We're going to add to this. We're going to take... Now remember, uh, uh, he goes out, he goes out, and, and he has made the agreement. He has made the agreement to betray the Lord. Uh, he's already got the money decided and determined. And we know it's 30 pieces of silver. Say amen. We, everybody there? Look at Zechariah. Look on page 2. On the top of your page. Zechariah 11, verse 12. This is another prophetic reference. Well, did, I, did I read that other one? I didn't read that other one. Let me read that other one. Flip back over. Flip back over. Psalms 55. Psalms 55, 12 through 16. You remember he says, Yea, my own, my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who did eat my bread. Did y'all see that where that was fulfilled? All right. He's lifted his heel against me. Psalms 55. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Isn't that amazing? In other words, I could have dealt with this a whole lot better if I just knew it was the enemy. But it was my friend. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide, mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. Now we know this is a psalmist writing in that day, but we know that is a prophecy concerning the relationship that Jesus had with his betrayer. Zechariah prophesies about the same situation. Zechariah 11, 12. And I said unto them, if ye think good, give me my price. This is, this is Judas uh, uh, dickering with the high priest over money and what it would cost and how, how much would they pay him. And if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, cast it unto the potter. A goodly price that I was, I was prized out of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Now, take those two verses and let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's see what happens. <clears throat> After the arrest of Jesus. Now remember, they've gone, he's gone to the temple. He's met with the high priest, he's met with the religious leadership, and he's made a deal with them to sell or to betray Jesus for the price of 30 pieces of silver, right? Okay, now, do we see that in these two verses? 30 pieces of silver. Okay, now here's what happens. After the arrest, after he betrays him, after they take Jesus, he is struck with unbelievable remorse and regret. He is struck with horror. He knows what he's done. And he runs to the priest and he says, I betrayed the innocent blood. I betrayed the innocent blood. I don't want this. And he said, hey, he says, hey we, you do what you want. You, the deal is done. And so he throws the bag into the temple and it busts on the floor, goes all over the floor. He goes out and hangs himself. And we'll see that in the next point. All right, well, they take the, they take the, the, the silver. This is amazing to me. This is amazing to me. They said, now we can't take this and put this in the treasury because it's tainted now. It was their money. 
They are the ones that gave it to take the innocent man, yet they can't use it because it's blood money now. Can you imagine the hypocrisy? And how blind they were to their own wickedness. So they took it and said, instead of putting it in a treasury, we would take it and buy the potter's field. They would buy the potter's field and use it for burials of, of refuse and, and, and outsiders and commoners. Matter of fact, we got to see that. While we was in Israel, we got to see that cool deal. Uh, and so that's all in these verses. In other words, here's the deal. Everything God said would happen, guess what? It happened. I'm talking about to the detail of the type of coin, to the detail of the amount of the coin, to what would take place at busting on the floor of the temple, all the way to what was going to be purchased with it, the potter's field. Listen, God knows it all. Nothing took Jesus by surprise. Are y'all with me? Let me, let me, let me read you the next one. <clears throat> Whew, we got to hurry, guys. <clears throat> I want you to see, see the peril that embraces him. The personalities that explain him, the prophecies that expect him, the peril that embraces him. Judas did not have a good day. Literally, when the Bible says that it was dark, it was night, Judas never saw the light of another day. I mean, this is not just a, I don't believe, I think there's so much more to this phrase, it was night. I believe, I believe the word of God is trying to tell us in Judas's life, it was nothing but darkness. There was no spiritual light at all. He never saw the light of another day. He went into hell. Into, it's described as outer what? Darkness. Damn. Jesus said as much as this, it would have been better if he had never been born. I, there's been some wicked people. Well, we can go down a list. Now, I know everybody's wicked. Everybody's sinners for all sin and come short of the glory of God. And, 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 and there's people say, well, there's no, there's no levels of sin. All sin is sin. And that. No, don't, don't even... No, don't don't even. Mm -mm. I'm not with you on that. I'm not with you on that. If that was the case, there wouldn't be different punishments and different requirements for different sins. Some sins you'd have to bring a sacrifice for. Some sins they'd just go ahead and stone you. They different. The Bible says that the people in hell shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire. In other words, I think. I think there's going to be levels. I think there's going to be different degrees because we have a, a holy God. We have a just God. The judgment of the unsaved is called the great white throne judgment. That white represents purity and right. God's going to do everything right. And I don't, I, I just, I just, I mean, 
I, I, I do not, I, I, even just my own common sense will tell me that, that, that there, there's going to be people in hell that just don't believe. They're going to be a good old boy. Never drink, never dip, never smoke, never, whatever you think a good old boy is. Never lie, never just a good old person, just do whatever, and give a shirt off their back, but yet they will not believe in Christ. They're going to hell. But I do not believe they're going to be in the same place, same degree as Jeffrey Dahmer or Charles Manson. Is un everybody understand that? And, and don't be emailing me. I'm not going to argue about this. I'm just telling you. Believe what you want to believe. Just make sure you go to the other place. Amen? But I believe, I believe for eternity, Judas is going to be in the worst place. I believe he's the worst sinner of all sinners. Let me give you, can you take a commercial? Where does he betray him? Where does he betray him? In the garden. What is Jesus doing in the garden? He's praying. How intense is his prayer in the garden? He prays to the point that his sweat, where does a person normally start sweating when, 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 when things get rough? In your face. In this area. There's more pores and everything. When you bleed, you'll bleed. That's why you can cut yourself shaving and you'll think you got shot. There's so many pores. There's all that, you know. And so his sweat became his great drops of blood. So, so where would the blood show up first? What did Judas kiss? So he actually touched the blood that could have washed his sin away. Literally, literally, if you want to use this kind of terminology, he knocked on the door of heaven and went to hell. Let me tell you one of the worst parts of hell. It's not as much going to be the torment coming from the flame the torment coming from the worm that dieth not. I, I've heard different commentaries or read different commentaries and heard different preachers say what it is. Some, uh, some believe that the worm that dieth not is talking about whatever disease you had here on this earth that you're just going to keep having in eternity. In other words, if you had cancer, you'll be keep having cancer and whatever it might be. I, I don't know. I, I don't know about that. I just know it's going to be bad. Amen? Amen. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be horrifying. But one of the most terrible, horrifying aspects of hell is the fact that you will regret that you could have made it out of there. For years and years and years and years, Judas has sat in a place and he's remembered the Lord's Supper. He's remembered the miracles. He's remembered the, the thousands that were fed. He's remembered every single sermon that Jesus gave. He remembered the words of Jesus saying, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He remembers, listen, him speaking to Nicodemus and saying, Ye must be born again. Can you imagine what he's thinking? Living with regret. The peril that embraced him. No wonder Jesus said it would have been better if he had never been born. Because he was more interested in money than a Messiah. In church, all God's people say it. 
Matthew 27, 3. Then Judas, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and said, I have sinned and betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that thou to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went out and hanged himself. Peter gives us a more detailed account. Acts 1, 16. Men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us. He was one of us, he says, and he had, he had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of the iniquity. Falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and his bowels gushed out. Commentaries believe that, that, that Judas... The place that he hung himself was over a cliff and either the branch broke or the rope broke. Something took place in the hanging process and he fell forward across the, the cliff and burst open. What a way to go. The peril that he experienced. Now I want to say this. I got two more points and I got to hurry. But before we get that, you got to get this. This is, this is why Jesus is telling me. Because this is really the most significant part of the deal. Can you imagine what they're thinking? What? Maybe, maybe possibly, maybe possibly they're thinking this. What are we going to do? There's a traitor among us. Because see, they all knew. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? They all knew that ever, they were out to kill him. You remember when Jesus said, let's go? Let's go to where, where, where Lazarus was. And they said, wait a minute, Lord, they want to kill you over there. Right. And, and, and they knew he was going to go anyway. And what did Thomas say? Hey, let's go die with him. So they understood the ramifications of this. They understood the dangers of being in Jerusalem. They understood all of this, that, that this is a great danger. And now Jesus is saying, one of you is the traitor. And they're like, what? Now watch this. Jesus says it here, and, and it's here, it's here. I'm going to paraphrase because we the same time I'd, I'd run plumb out of time. Y'all did not listen fast enough tonight. <laughs> Jesus said, the reason I'm telling you this, the reason I'm telling you this so that when it's all over, you'll believe. You'll know that I'm he. Because you see, their, 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 their faith even though they were believers, even though they were saved, even though they had made confession, even though they were, they were trusting in Christ, they were, they were flimsy. How many of y'all have ever seen, how many of y'all have ever seen a, a, a baby horse or a baby calf born? How many of y'all seen when they try to stand up first? I mean, I mean, they standing. Boy, they awful. That's them. They were standing. But can you imagine what finding out that one of their midst was a hypocrite? You see, this is, this, is the, this is the greatest excuse used by the world. Church is full of hypocrites. What's the use? Jesus even says this. Watch what he says. This is amazing. You think, this is, well, this is an out-of-place verse. What's this doing right here? It's not out of place. It's there on, on a purpose. Look what it says. Look what it says. <clears throat> he tells them in verse 19, now I'm telling you this, 
So when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. He knew, they were, he knew they were wobbly. He knew they were on weak legs. Watch what he says. Verily, verily. Truly, truly. I say unto you, he that receiveth whomever I send, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. In other words, we got the messenger, we got the Messiah, and we got the majestic master, God the Father, God the Son, and the, and the saved child of God. What is he reminding them of? Their commission, their calling. He says, I'm sending you because someone sent me. If they receive you, they're going to receive me. If they receive me, they receive the one that sent me. What's he doing? He's reminding them of their mission. He's reminding them of their calling. He's reminding them of their responsibility. Why? Because he knows if they see one is fake and one is a hypocrite, it could greatly damage. In other words, no matter. You know what? I don't know. I don't know that they probably looked up to Judas more than any of them. Because when, they, when, when Judas began to, to, to criticize, they jumped right on in. Followers usually tend to follow a, a leader. And he's leading the way. Here we go, here we go, here we go. They don't. And if, and if their, their leader is a hypocrite and fake and not the real deal, so Jesus is saying, now listen, I don't want this to mess you up. You still got a calling. I don't care if there's hypocrites in every church. You be the good one. And by the way, if anybody ever pulls that on you, use this. Use this right here. Well, I tell you what, the church may have some hypocrites in it, but I'd rather go to a church with a few of them than go to hell with all of them. Amen. He said, I'm telling you this because I want you to be secure. I want you to understand this, was, this, was, this did not take me by surprise. I know who I chose. When I was going through picking my disciples, I knew he was a devil. I knew he was a hypocrite. I knew he was a trickster. I knew he was a traitor. I knew he was everything that he was. It, listen, as much in the beginning as it was as in the end, and I chose him. I did not make a mistake. And I know what you're thinking. Then why did he pick him? Watch this. That the scriptures be fulfilled. Are y'all with me? What does this do? What does this do? I hate that clock. <clears throat> Y'all hold on to your outlines. What, don't, just look at me. Just look at me. Don't, don't be putting stuff up. Just look at me. Just look at me. We'll get the rest of the outline next week. But what does this do? That shows us that no matter what the devil tries to pull, the devil is the one behind the scenes. The devil is the one that's pulling the strings on the puppet. He literally, physically enters into Judas. He's the one behind it. And he really thinks, he really thinks that he's got a plan. You know how I know that? Because in the New Testament, after the resurrection, after the crucifixion, after he went in the ground, after Jesus got back up, after everything was realized and they realized, hey, this was all part of God's plan. It says this, if the princes of this world would have knew 
They would have never crucified him. In other words, the devil thought he was slick. He was behind the scenes. He was practically working all this out. We got him, we got him, got him. We're going to kill him, we're going to kill him. We're going to put him in the ground. We got him, we got him. And the whole time, God's saying, that's it. That's part of my plan. And I just felt a lot of preach coming right there. Now, if I knew if I cut it loose, we'd be here. Amen. We're going to stop right there. Gonna stop right. I felt that I felt that rooster kind of preaching right there. Amen. Hunker down, get with it. Woo. Man, I got God bumps on my neck. This just means that no matter what, God's in control. No matter how the devil tries to tear you apart and tear you down and try to destroy your life, if you follow Christ, He is, He's got it. I'm telling you this, Jesus says. So when it's all said and done, you'll know this was part of the plan. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy and a a great...